Welcome to This is the Jet Life with Dan Burnham, your guide to the New York Jets sports and much more. And now, your host, Dan Burnham. Hello, New York Jets fans, and happy bye week. It's the first time in a while we watched football all weekend long and didn't have to suffer through a New York Jet defeat. Without a game this week, we're going to do something a little different on the podcast, that in the form of a bye week special, Mailbag Edition. In the past for the bye week special, I've done an interview, I did a state of the franchise last year, but this time I wanted to hear from you guys, the listeners. So I used this as an opportunity to discuss anything you guys are interested or wondering about. And I got a bunch of great submissions this week for the postal dump. I'm going to get to most of them in just a few minutes. But first, I got to remind you to follow me on Twitter at Jets underscore Dan. Rate, review, subscribe if you enjoy it. Anywhere that you listen to it, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google, wherever. All these episodes are part of the SB Nation fan site, gangreennation.com. You can find all the episodes on Gang Green Nation. Engage in the episode and the, the comment section there. Reach out on Twitter, whatever. I'm always happy to talk New York Jets, as you guys already know. But before I get into the mailbag, I wanted to quickly touch base on what's going on with the New York Jets. So we have a bunch of injuries going on, and I think a lot of people were looking forward to the bye week before playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Kind of looking forward to getting this team back in shape and get some people healthy back on the field. We've been missing a lot of key players, including our offensive signal caller, Sam Darnold, our defensive signal caller, and C.J. Mosley. Uh, our rookie draft pick, Quinn and Williams, Jordan Jenkins, our best edge rusher, Demarius Thomas, who we added at a thin wide receiver position, haven't gotten him on the field for many snaps yet. Um, you know, the, the list goes on. We haven't seen Chris Herndon, he's suspended. Brandon Copeland, he's suspended. And we're trying to get guys back on the field. Feels like there's a lot of hype and excitement going into this season. And everyone was super excited for week one. The team was relatively healthy, with the exception of the suspensions that we had in Avery Williamson. It looked like it was going to be pretty good going in. Week one, we play the Buffalo Bills, and it's all been downhill from that really, really disappointing defeat. And now it feels like we've got basically nobody on the field, nothing to root for. It seems like every game is lost before we start it, and this bye week is supposed to get us a bunch of players back. Unfortunately for Sam Darnold, it appears that he's not going to be playing. It looks like his spleen is still enlarged, and as we learned, if your spleen is enlarged and you get hit in it, you can die, and we don't want that to happen. So obviously he's got to wait for medical clearance to get back on the field. They are giving him permission to do non-contact training with the team. So he can do exercise, he can run, cardio, things like that. He's been biking. He can go through drills with the team and everything. He just can't be contacted. He can't do any heavy lifting or anything like that yet until he gets his next set of clearance from the doctors. Hopefully we'll get good news soon. There's still a very, very small chance that he could play on Sunday uh, at this point in time, but that's going to be gone very soon, I'm sure. We're going to be looking at Luke Falk. And we'll see him backed up by newly acquired Mike White, who's replacing David Fales. So essentially, it's going to be another tough week. Now we're hoping to get C.J. Mosley back. He's questionable to practice tomorrow. Same with Jordan Jenkins. Uh, Joshua Bellamy has a new injury that happened against the Patriots. So he's questionable. Looks like Demarius Thomas is still questionable. Across the board, not a lot of great news. Good news in this whole thing. Quinnen Williams is apparently good to go, says Adam Gase. So if Quinnen Williams is back on the field, that's going to be really exciting. We can finally see our defensive line in true form. We've been really good against the run all year. We were great against the Patriots this past week, and we hope to continue that. But it'll be nice to see Leonard Williams, Henry Anderson, and Quinnen Williams all on the line at the same time, and then putting in every once in a while, you know, the Kyle Phillips, the Bronson Kafusi, some of the younger guys, Trell Basham maybe, and get to see how they work together with a full unit 
and uh, I think the, the sky's the limit for Quinn Williams. We just got to keep him healthy. He's a player that a lot of us already love, even though we've hardly seen him play. And that's one thing that we can look forward to, seeing him back on the field. As for the other guys, recording this episode on a Tuesday, it's a little hard to speculate on exactly who's going to be healthy. It did sound like from Adam Gay, CJ Mosley, probably not. Like we said, Sam Darnold, probably not. But it's all barring what happens in, in practice and from the doctors Wednesday, Thursday, and you know through the weekend how they're feeling and everything. So we'll find out a lot more. You can follow me on Twitter as I'm talking about the stuff as we get information through the press conferences and, and through practices, finding out who's limited participants, who's full participants, and uh, who's completely held out from these things. But we do play the Eagles this coming Sunday, 1 o'clock. The Jets are currently 14-point underdogs. Yes, you heard that right. 14-point underdogs to the Eagles, who are extremely banged up right now. Just like us, their secondary is a mess. They got wide receiver issues going over there, um, some more injuries going on. Not a super strong team right now, not as strong as we thought they were going to be going into this season due to the injuries that they've got, but still with Luke Falk playing quarterback for the Jets, with C.J. Mosley probably not playing, this New York Jets team is going to be hard-pressed to score points, even on a banged-up secondary like that. And 14 points right now, it honestly seems fair. Um, it's a very good chance the Jets lose by two scores in this one. It's going to be tough. If Luke Falk's out there and Sam Darnold's not playing, we've seen it since Luke Falk stepped on the field. We don't really score points. We haven't scored a touchdown on offense since week one when Sam Darnold threw it to Le'Veon Bell. We haven't scored an offensive touchdown since then. So hope we break that trend this week. But it will be uh, tough sledding with Luke Falk, the number three quarterback on the Jets roster going into the season, one more time. Hopefully it's the last time we see him. So that's what I got for updates right now. Now it's time to get into the mailbag for this week's bye week special. And it starts with a submission from ChrisgoKid85, who asked, Who are your top pro free agency targets? So this is an interesting one because it's not really free agency time yet. We still have 13 more weeks of New York Jets football. But the team being at an absolute low point and fans really having nothing to have hope in right now, I guess it makes sense that we should start looking towards next year. We're not going to make the playoffs this year, it looks like, but we can rationalize why. We can add a few new pieces and come back better than ever next year. Fully healthy with some new horses in the stable. Now, last year we had a ton of cap space, so going into free agency, there was a ton of hype, and it was like, where are we going to spend the money? Le'Veon Bell, we were going after Anthony Barr, we were going after centers, and and we thought, and middle linebackers and whatnot. Across the board, it was just money, money, money. Mike McCagnan spent it. You know, he wasn't here for much longer after that, but when he was, he spent money. Now, the New York Jets are going into next free agency with about $46.4 million, so like half of what they had last year. It's 17th in the league, so it's right around the middle of the pack. So it's not going to be quite as flashy of a free agency as last year was. I think the other issue with this free agency not being quite as flashy is that the talent pool isn't quite as good. What you're seeing for this year is the 2015 draft class is the class that's becoming available, whether or not they get extensions after their rookie year. That's the year that Leonard Williams was drafted, and that is a notoriously bad draft class. So when you look across the league of a lot of those guys whose extensions are running out, Leonard Williams being one of them, you look through and you're like, ah, there's just really not a ton of superstar talent in there. And the Jets don't want to pay for superstar talent maybe right now as we have to get through some of uh, the contracts we currently have since, you know, there's a lot of big contracts on this Jets roster right now. We need to find some more bargain-friendly, you know, depth pieces. We have to have a strong draft. We have to build within. But we do need to add a few additions as well. You just worry that with a, a weaker free agency class, a lot of teams are going to be trying to take that next step. You end up overpaying for guys because the talent's not quite there, but you feel like you're a piece or two away, and then you spend a whole free agency overspending for a bunch of guys that the next year aren't really worth that money when there's better players available. But anyways, there are some players that we should go after, and there's some positions that we need to be looking at right now. Some will be addressed in the draft. Some will have to be addressed in free agency. 
and some probably won't be addressed at all. We'll still probably have holes as every NFL team does. But the first one that I'm thinking about right now is quarterback. Not a starting quarterback. No, we have Sam Darnold, and I still love the guy. Can't wait to watch him play this year. But that backup quarterback spot, it doesn't look like Trevor Simeon was the guy to handle that job, and it definitely doesn't look like Luke Falk is the guy to handle that job either. So unless they're planning on getting Mike White involved, which is very doubtful, they're probably going to have to bring in some help. Now, this isn't a position that I would advocate for spending a ton of money on, but it is one that I would say it's nice to have a veteran backup. One of those guys like Josh McCown that can just come in and play serviceable minutes and not look lost on the field. Because, let's face it, your backup quarterback does have to play. Last year, Sam Darnold missed some games. Josh McCown came in. This year, Sam Darnold's missing some games. Luke Falk's coming in. Now, in a perfect world, Sam Darnold will play 16 games every year. But if that's not the case, for anything, a freak thing like mono that could possibly happen, you got to put a backup in. We'd like to not have the whole season be lost, which it basically is in this case. Now, Trevor Simeon's accident was like a freak thing. We're down to our third quarterback just like that. Um, but it's definitely a position we got to look at. So some guys I'm thinking about, guys like Case Keenum, Chase Daniel, Colt McCoy. These are guys that have been backups for a long time. They're in their 30s. They know how to read a defense. They can help coach Sam. They're probably going to be pretty good in the film room going over the uh, the reads and things. They've worked with a bunch of coaches over the years and seen all sorts of things from defenses. These aren't going to be guys that are going to be fighting for Sam Darnold's job. You're not going to be sitting there in preseason saying, oh my gosh, Colt McCoy is going off. We maybe need to think about him being our starting quarterback. Probably not the case, but you know that your product is going to be better if they do play than that of a Luke Falk or probably what we saw from Trevor Simeon. And hopefully these guys aren't going to demand a ton of money. You know, you really don't want to be paying that $10, $12 million backup quarterback money. So if one of these guys will take a nice team-friendly deal to come to New York, that would be awesome. Next position we got to look at is wide receiver. We have an injury to Quincy Nunua, who's been injured basically all the time. Robbie Anderson has a contract that's going to be expiring. We're not sure if we're going to re-sign him. So he's going to be our number one free agency target, potentially. Robbie Anderson, are we going to sign him to a contract extension now? And if we're not, is he somebody that maybe is worth trading if the season gets lost? Just an idea. Ideally, Sam Darnold will come back, have a great relationship with Robbie Anderson. We can sign him to an extension, and he's the first guy we can check off that list. Some other young players that we could look at, guys like Amari Cooper. You know, he's a big name that's probably going to demand a lot of money, but if the Jets feel confident in his route running and his ability to play, Sam Darnold maybe would really love having that weapon on the field. Some other younger guys, Rashard Higgins from the Cleveland Browns, Demarcus Robinson, who's coming alive right now for the Kansas City Chiefs. We're seeing them. Not all these guys are going to be signed. Dallas has a ton of money tied up in players right now. Cleveland's got a bunch of money tied up in players. Kansas City, they've got a ton of receivers and players over there. they got to add help on defense. Some of these guys are going to be free agents. Some of them will be re-signed. Those are some players that I'm looking at for wide receiver. Now, we all know we got to address the offensive line. The offensive line is an absolute mess. And that's a position that I really advocate for drafting to fill. There's really not that many super talented offensive linemen. You know, you don't find a lot of left tackles that are amazing hitting the open market because it's just way too valuable of a position. When you have one, you have to hold on to them. You pay them what they need to be paid. You keep them on your team. So unfortunately, you can't really build an offensive line through free agency. You got to get it through the draft. That being said, it looks like right now we probably need about four new offensive linemen, and we're not going to be able to draft all of them. We want to keep Sam Darnold upright as quickly as possible. So going after a guy like Jack Conklin, who's a tackle from Tennessee, going after an Andres Pete, the guard from New Orleans, those are a couple of guys that are probably going to demand more money than they deserve. But 
you know, they would come in here and probably be welcome additions and improvements right away over a Kelvin Beecham or a Brian Winters, something like that. We obviously need to look at center because that's a position that's been struggling for the New York Jets. And Ryan Khalil, at this point, will definitely not be getting another contract with the New York Jets. So then you're right back to where you were last year with Jonathan Harrison. So we'll see how that stuff shakes out. Still a position I think we should be looking at in the draft because you're looking at like that free agency pool is a bunch of guys over the age of 32 and then a bunch of players that aren't very good. Not a lot of young guys or middle-aged guys who are right in the prime of their career ready to give you serviceable starting, you know, Pro Bowl type minutes, which is what we really want if this team is going to be successful moving forward. Moving to the defensive side of the ball, edge, defensive end, these are positions we know we have to go after. Some of the guys that could potentially be options for the New York Jets, Shaq Lawson from Buffalo, Eric Armstead from San Francisco. They got a bunch of guys drafted on that defensive line. Eric Armstead may be a decent addition for the New York Jets. Chris Jones from Kansas City, if they don't re-sign him, which would surprise me, he's going to be looking for a ton of money, and he'd be a huge addition for the Jets. You know, you got to think, they probably won't be giving a ton of huge contracts out, but maybe through free agency next year, there will be one guy who gets like a really big deal. I think this year for the Jets, Le'Veon Bell got a really big deal. C.J. Mosley got a really big deal, and those were like the two big ones. Jameson Crowder got a big one. Henry Anderson obviously got a pretty big one, but we had like two star-type player deals. Next year, I would expect maybe one. I wouldn't think two would be possible with the contract extensions we have to be looking into, the amount of holes on this roster, and the amount of money we're going to have. But still, one guy's possible, so maybe they would go after a Chris Jones. You know, maybe it would be for wide receiver, it would be an Amari Cooper. Or they'd pay top dollar for an Andrus Pete to play guard for them. The last position, cornerback. We know we need a cornerback. We've had issues there all year long. We are not happy with the unit that we have way overpaid right now. Do you want to throw more money at it? You probably have to. Some guys that you'd be looking at, Trey Waynes from Minnesota, if they let him go. A guy that I really like is Byron Jones from Dallas. Again, you know, say they say Amari, say they pay Amari Cooper, and they're already paying Jalen Smith. They pay Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott. They're paying Amari Cooper. They're not going to be able to pay guys like Byron Jones top dollar, and if he walks, he's a cornerback from UConn that I really like and have been following his career good, talented player, would definitely be a welcome addition to the New York Jets. And then Brian Poole, who's already playing for the Jets and is having like a pretty awesome year considering or paying for him. He's only on a one-year deal for the Jets for cheap right now. And if he has a, a great year like he's having, we're either going to have to replace him at nickel cornerback or we're going to have to resign him and have our nickel cornerback there. So either way, we're spending money at nickel cornerback one way or another. I think it, what we've seen from him right now it makes sense to try to get into a contract extension earlier than later. And that's something that Joe Douglas may easily be trying to do. So I'm definitely going to get more into free agents as the year goes on and it becomes a little bit more clear who's not re-signing with their current teams, who's going to test free agency, what the Jets are looking for, what Joe Douglas's approach will be. But those are just some names to look at right now. You know, if you have other ones you have in mind, send them over, tweet them over to me. I'd be happy to, you know, take a look at him. I love the the hypothetical free agent targets because I'm always trying to rationalize how the Jets are going to get better next year in my head also. You know, I, I still think that there's a chance that the Jets could strike lightning in a bottle when Sam Darnold gets back on the field. And who knows, we go on some eight-game winning streak and the whole season turns around. We're one of those historical teams that's never made the playoffs after being 0-4, one of the first teams ever to do it. That would be awesome. Probably won't happen, but I'm still holding on to hope. And the second we're mathematically eliminated, I'll be holding on to hope for next year, looking at what we're going to do to get better. All right, next question coming from a Brett J. Koppel. He asks, is there any chance something like Leonard Williams in a future second or third round pick for Jalen Ramsey could work? 
I'm going to start this off by saying no. There is no chance that something like that could work because Jalen Ramsey is going to demand a lot more than a second, third-round pick and a player like Leonard Williams. What they're looking for right now is essentially two first-round picks. Leonard Williams right now probably equates to about a second-round pick talent graded by other teams. That's what I would assume. I don't think that he's equivalent to a first-round pick right now. I think that he still has a lot of talent. I think a lot of teams see what he does, and they think he'd be a, a, a very valuable addition to almost any defensive line. Defensive coordinators would love to have him because he can do a little bit of everything, even though we haven't seen it from him yet this year. We have seen it from him in the past. He can get his hands in the dirt. He can stop the run. He can get after the quarterback and get pressures. Even though he doesn't get a ton of sacks, he does get a lot of pressures. Not this year. We haven't seen it. But hopefully with Quinn Williams coming back, we will. I think that he does equate to about a second-round pick right now. So trading two second-round picks for Jalen Ramsey, that's not going to happen. Now, they've already apparently, rumor has it, been offered two firsts and declined it. So maybe it was a team drafting later in the first round. You know, something they're assuming is going to be like a 20th, 23rd overall pick. The Jets maybe something more like the 6th, 7th overall pick. So their picks are worth more. But they would have to give at least a first-round pick. Um, give an example, Jarrell Rivas, when he was unhappy here, traded to the Bucks. it was for a 13th pick and a conditional fourth. So I don't think Jalen Ramsey is quite as good as Jarrell Rivas, but I think that cornerback is potentially more needed right now around the league. There are so many teams that are just desperate, dying for a good cornerback. And if Rivas demanded a 13th and a fourth, I mean, Jalen Ramsey is going to need something like that in this NFL right now. Leonard Williams in a second just doesn't quite do it. Keep in mind, that Jaguars defensive line already has Marcel Darius. has got Josh Allen, who they drafted this year. Calais Campbell is an absolute monster there. They've got uh, Yannick Ngakwe, and his contract expires in 2020. But that guy's got 30 sacks in the first three seasons. I mean, he's an absolute monster. And he's a guy that, like, if if they were to go after Leonard Williams, they'd have to pay him a contract extension. That would probably be in lieu of giving an extension to Yannick Ngakwe. And if Yannick Ngakwe walks, I mean, he's a guy that I would happily take under the New York Jets as our defensive end guy. You would think if they were switching those two players, Williams for Ngakwe would kind of be, all right, we're going to give up a few of the sacks that we got from Yannick, but we're going to be adding Leonard Williams, who's going to be a little bit better of a run defender. But honestly, I don't think that's a huge issue for the Jags right now. They're a pretty good run defense. They rank 13th in the league with 99 yards per game allowed. And I just don't think that Leonard Williams is, is needed enough on that team to be traded for Jalen Ramsey. So even if you were to do like a first-round pick in Leonard... I just don't think it makes sense for them. It obviously does make sense for the New York Jets. I would love to have Jalen Ramsey on this team. He would be the best cornerback that we've had in a while since Darrell Rivas, and we would be night and day difference in our defensive backfield from what we've been seeing so far this year. You instantly could have a guy shadowing one single player, and then you could start doubling across the field, and it would mask some of the deficiencies of guys like Darrell Roberts. But it's just probably not going to happen right now. We probably need to just sit our ground, accept that we're not a super strong team, and then just allow those weaknesses to destroy us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Moving on to the next question. This is an interesting one because I wasn't going to do a what's on tap or a father time for this episode. But I got a submission 
regarding What's on Tap. So it looks like we're going to be bringing it back this week for another What's on Tap mailbag edition. This week, Tricker108 asks, what's your go-to seasonal for What's on Tap and Football Sundays? So I'll start with just like the seasonals. I don't really have a seasonal drink that I really look forward to. I definitely drink a lot less light beers and lagers. I don't drink nearly as many twisted teas and things in the winter. But there's not a lot of stuff that I really add in. I think ciders is the one that I start drinking a bunch of. And I don't have a favorite cider. It used to be woodchuck ciders, but those are kind of sweet. There's this beer called Citizen Cider, or a cider, I guess not a beer. Um, Citizen Cider that I really like. They have a few different variations that are good. Um, when it's not that, I like to drink more whiskey and hard alcohol in the wintertime, and then double IPAs that are like really thick and malty that maybe aren't as good on a summer day. They're a little better in the wintertime. So I, I think that's probably what I focus on. Less fruity beer, less light beer, a little bit thicker, darker stuff um, for like seasonal drinks for me. When it comes to football Sundays, there's not like a go-to beer per se. I don't have one, but I watch all games with roommate Kyle and father dad. Dad always has... Sea Hag in the Fridge, it's his favorite beer. It's an IPA that I've done on What's on Tap before. It's a Nebco IPA, and they're really good. So we've always got Sea Hags in the fridge. This new beer that we added is called Bud Select 55. Now, when I saw this for the first time, it like blew my mind because this is basically like a 3% alcohol beer that you can drink as many of them as you want, and you don't feel a thing. So you can basically be drinking all get. You're not going to drink a water while watching the New York Jets, so you can keep drinking, and you don't get blurry by the fourth quarter. I got to do a podcast on these things, so I can't be passing out on the couch. I got to be paying attention a little bit, but I still want to drink because I'm watching the Jets. So Bud Select 55 is like a really nice thing to just mix it up with. They don't taste good, but you're still drinking without really drinking. You're hydrating, really, but you're not doing it in a lame way. And other than that, we try to get variety packs, which are basically just like one beer company will have a variety pack that'll have like four different beers. You get three cans of each. One will be something good, another one will be something light, another one will be something really weird, and then something else will be like an experimental seasonal limited edition beer. And you get a little bit of everything in those. Sometimes there's like a real dud in there. Uh, One of the beers just really sucks, and it's kind of fun suffering through those because you never had it before a lot of the times in these variety packs. you, You crack it with high expectations, and then you hate it, but you suffer through it, and it's, you know, it's 12 ounces, so you work your way through, and then you're on to the next one. You don't have a whole package full of them. There's just a couple left. And, you know, it's just a nice way to mix it up and have a bunch of different things. So there's really not one beer, not one of those people that has, like, I drink this beer. This is what I drink for football Sundays. I always get this. I just constantly am trying to find something different. That's honestly why I do the What's on Tap, because I drink so many different beers, and there's so many great beers where I live in in the area. And I'm always drinking one for these episodes and watching the games that why not talk about it and share some of these awesome experiences with everybody else. So I appreciate the question, and that's this week's What's on Tap. I am also right now drinking what is called an Founders All Day IPA Session Ale, but we're not going to focus on that right now because we got more mailbag questions to get into. Next mailbag question comes from Kyle Style. Question is, what do we think about Trumaine Johnson? If he's going to get benched, do we just release him and try to get someone else? Will anyone want to pay that salary? Do we have other options? I'm going to be honest with this one. When it comes to Trumaine Johnson, the Jets are essentially screwed, at least for one more year. Trumaine Johnson was paid a five-year, $72.5 million contract last year, right? It was $45 million guaranteed. He carries a cap hit of $12 million this year. It was only $10 million last year, but it's 12 this year. It goes up to 15 in 2020. In 2021, it'll be $17 million. 
and in 2022, it'll be an $18.5 million cap hit. So the New York Jets backloaded this contract so they could pay him less early on when Mike McCagnon was still our general manager, and then totally screw us later on when Mike McCagnon's no longer our general manager. Now, the New York Jets do have a potential out in 2021. Now, because the contract is backloaded and we owe him $45 million of guaranteed money, after the first three seasons, the Jets will have only paid him $37 million. They'll still owe him $8 million of guaranteed money, but they can cut him after 2020 and potentially eat that $8 million instead of paying him $17 million for 2021, which is never going to happen. He's never going to make $17 million or $18.5 million on this New York Jets team. But unfortunately, by the time this season's up, we will have only paid him $22 million. I mean, he's guaranteed $45 million from this team. So we can't just release him. That money's owed to him. We're paying him that money no matter what. So after he plays one more year with us next year, he'll get $15 million more from us that we won't have to pay for a real cornerback. We'll have to pay Truman Johnson again, $15 million. And then we will have paid him $37 million. So then the following year after that, we can cut him, eat $8 million and move on, never look back, which probably is what the New York Jets are going to do. But there are other options. We have seen players that are under bad contracts move. And how does that happen? An example is Brock Osweiler was under a really bad contract for the uh, Houston Texans. They way overpaid him and realized that they had him under contract and didn't want him there anymore. Now, at this time, the Cleveland Browns are the worst team in the league with so much salary cap space and nothing to spend it on, no hopes of getting better. So they decide, we'll take Brock Osweiler, but you also have to trade us a second-round pick along with Brock Osweiler to take that contract on. So the Texans gave the Browns Brock Osweiler, but they also had to give away a second-round pick for the Browns to take their player. Now, the Browns also gave the Texans a fourth-round pick, which helped them out a little bit, so at least they got something back. But in reality... You're giving away assets to get rid of a player. So the New York Jets technically could trade next year's third-round pick to, say, the Miami Dolphins to take Trumaine Johnson. The Dolphins would just take Trumaine Johnson, pay him the money, wait until the contract is over, and then cut that $8 million dead money, just like the Jets would have done, and it would be their problem, not ours. The Dolphins probably aren't going to do that with the Jets because they're a division rival. There's no other team that's as in bad shape as the Dolphins right now, but maybe as the year goes on, we'll see like the Cardinals, the Bengals, some team like that wants to do it. I'm not sure if it's worth trading an asset just to get rid of Trumaine Johnson. It's like, it's there's really no win there. It's like, all right, we're just going to cut our losses and then get rid of some assets. And that doesn't make the Jets a better team. It just gets him off the roster. That gives you more money for free agency if you feel like you can buy somebody better. But if you feel like you have a good draft strategy, maybe it's worth having the draft pick instead. We probably have to suck it up for him, honestly. Trumaine Johnson, this sucks. Hopefully he can just start playing a little better because he is still playing snaps for the New York Jets. He's playing ahead of Arthur Mollette. I mean, it's not like he's completely out of the game plan, but maybe as the year goes on, he can get a little bit more comfortable and try. It's the only thing that we can do is just hope, hope this guy will do that. Or maybe he'll retire and just say, take the money back, Jets. Just take it back. I'll go on IR, do an injury settlement, something like that. That would be great. So then the last part of this question from Kyle Stahl was, what are our other options at cornerback? And that comes into the next mailbag question that I got, which is from Adam S. And his question was, is there any help coming at cornerback anytime soon? And yeah, I think we're all kind of feeling the same way. Uh, The last two mailbag questions hit it right on the head. We have cornerback deficiencies right now, and we got to try to mask this problem. Unfortunately, it's a really bad time of year to do it, and we made some mistakes with guys like Trumaine Johnson in the past, and we probably should have gotten some other guys in here a little bit earlier. We're probably missing Morris Claiborne a little more than we thought right now. When it comes to help at free agency, if you're looking for cornerback, it's thin. A lot of teams would love to have a good cornerback. 
Some of the big names you look at, EJ Gaines was released on an injury settlement with the Buffalo Bills. We're still waiting for him to get healthy. If he can pass a physical, not sure if he has yet. He's a guy the Jets could potentially look at. Um, he's probably better than what we have on the roster, but he's had so many injuries recently that nobody's been willing to take a risk on him. Same goes with the guy like Kayvon Webster, who's only 28 years old, but he's been on four teams in the last four seasons because he can't stay healthy. This is a player who, again, would be an upgrade over a guy like Arthur Mollette, maybe would give us a little more than Trumaine Johnson or something as like a, a depth chart kind of guy who at this point may end up playing a guy like Arthur Mollett. You don't know what the season's going to bring you. And it could be helpful, but these guys have to stay healthy. And right now the Jets probably don't want to pay a lot of money. And these guys probably don't want to come in for like a $500,000 contract. They probably are like, yeah, we'll come play, but you got to give me $3 million. And the Jets are thinking about maybe saving some of that money and carrying it into next year. You got a guy like Brent Grimes. He's a free agent, 36 years old. And this guy's lost so many steps and has not played really good cornerback for like four years. And I would not want to take him in there to get burned. Um, honestly, it looks like we're going to have to roll with the horses that we got. All right, there was a guy, uh, Aaron Colvin, was cut by the Texans like a couple weeks ago. And in less than a week, the Redskins picked him up. And he was a guy that right away I said, oh, this is a guy we should go after and consider bringing in. I don't know exactly the contract he signed with the Redskins, but the Jets didn't take him. And we're stuck in this tough spot right now. So on the roster, you got Trumaine Johnson. Daryl Roberts, Nate Hairston, Brian Poole, and Arthur Mollett. Kyron Brown, practice squad, is a guy that could potentially come into the mix. So we've seen all these guys play, except for Arthur Mollett. We watched him in preseason, and he was terrible. He had a touchdown last week on special teams, which was great, but he was really, really bad in coverage in preseason. We probably don't want to see him on the field. Kyron Brown, he had an up-and-down preseason, which is why he's on the practice squad, and potentially if the season goes on and we need to get somebody in there, it could be him. We don't have Bennett Jackson anymore. He was waived to get Luke Falk on the roster. But in reality, like we're talking about what's the help at cornerback? When are we going to get better at cornerback? First of all, we kind of have to accept that we aren't going to be good at cornerback this year. There's not going to be an easy answer. We're not getting Jalen Ramsey, unfortunately. We're not going to make some blockbuster trade to get a corner. We're not going to pick up some great free agent. These are the horses that we have. The scary part of this whole thing is all of our horses at this position are healthy. We have a healthy Daryl Roberts, Truman Johnson, Brian Poole, Arthur Mollett, Nate Hairston. What happens if one of these guys goes down? We haven't seen what happens when Brian Poole goes down. Who plays Who plays nickel? We haven't seen Nate Hairston go down and see Truman Johnson thrown back out there to play all the snaps. We haven't seen Arthur Mollett touch the field. There is no better option for the New York Jets. The best option for them is stay healthy with this group, hope that Nate Hairston can play well, Brian Poole can keep it up, and maybe Truman Johnson and Daryl Roberts can fight it out and one of them can play successful minutes for the New York Jets. This is going to be a weakness for us all year long. It's been our Achilles heel going into the season. We don't have the pass rush to help those guys out either. Getting Jordan Jenkins back, getting a little bit of a pass rush from some of those guys could help them. Maybe bringing in another safety, Matthias Farley, a guy that I love in the safety backfield. Maybe he can get some minutes played out there, but we don't really have options. There really isn't a better case, but there are plenty of worst case scenarios with any injury to any of those players. So it's, uh, it's really disappointing. And it's, you know, disheartening to hear that this is what it looks like. But keep in mind that this isn't the year the Jets are going to win the Super Bowl. That comes in like two years. And by that time, we'll find people to fill those things. We just have holes right now. We're not a very deep team. It's going to take Joe Douglas a little bit of time to get this roster to a place that he wants it. But eventually, it will be good. And we'll have quarterbacks. Just probably not in 2019. I had another question actually from the same submitter, Adam S., who asked, 
What about Bell's workload? Are we getting concerned Montgomery isn't getting more work? And absolutely. This is something I've been preaching for a couple of weeks because Le'Veon Bell is getting far too many carries, far too many touches in my opinion. These are like, for the last couple of weeks, it's felt like meaningless games, but still they're finding a way to just hammer the ball to Le'Veon Bell, give him no blocking, and watch him try to blast through five tacklers. I'm worried about his workload. He's had a four-year, $52.5 million contract. He's got $27 million guaranteed with a potential out in 2021, $4 million dead money. I'm talking about the potential out because if injuries happen, things like that, if he gets worn down, we may have to move on. I don't want that to happen. I want him to stay healthy. I want him to be here for that duration of that contract, a four-year deal. He looks like the best player on the offensive field for the New York Jets with Sam Darnold out. We need to keep him here, keep him healthy. Now, so far, he played 96.3% of offensive snaps. He's only missed snaps against the Browns gamer. He played 90%. The other two games against the Bills and Patriots, he played 100% of snaps. Montgomery has played five snaps in the first game, 24 in the second game, eight snaps in the last game. So he's basically hardly out there at all. Powell and Cannon have each played one snap each on the entire season. There's really no spell coming for Le'Veon Bell at that position. This was a position that like, we were looking at cutting Eli McGuire, and in the preseason it was like, this is probably one of our deepest positions. We had five guys that looked like they could play adequate running back. We were happy we had Bilal Powell coming back. Ty Montgomery was a very strong addition to this team, and he was going to be a, a wild card kind of running back who could do all sorts of things and could give Le'Veon Bell a break here and there. Trenton Cannon was going to be kind of a scat back, see if he could come into a role. I mean, this guy's not even returning kicks because teams don't kick the ball off anymore. So he's on the team as like a gunner who's had a quiet year at that position and then a kick returner who's not getting kicked the ball. He doesn't do punt returns anymore. So Trenton Cannon's really useless on this roster at this point. Bilal Powell, same thing, because he doesn't play special teams, so he's useless on the roster at this point. Ty Montgomery is hardly getting used, and Le'Veon Bell is getting just beat to shit. And you feel terrible because he's going to be here for a long time. And the worst thing that I can imagine is just something happening to Le'Veon Bell, or him just not being 100% by the time the rest of the team is 100%. By the time we get C.J. Mosley and Sam Darnold back, and we're playing that weak part of our schedule, the middle of the year, I want to have Le'Veon Bell there healthy playing great minutes. I want to have him next year when our team is better, playing healthy going in. And I worry that getting that many snaps in meaningless games where the Jets clearly aren't beating the Patriots in this one. They clearly were getting beaten, blown out by the Cleveland Browns in a, in a very lame effort with Luke Falk, the third-string quarterback, getting thrown into the game. At that point, when it gets to that, why not give Trenton Cannon some looks? Give him some opportunity. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, the whole Patriots team was just looking at him and trying to stop him. He only had two yards of carry last game. It's not like he was having crazy crazy production out there. Now, it's not his fault. You know, he, we know how good he is. We've seen it this year, but that's the only thing the Patriots are watching. So why even bother with that? It just seems to me that's one of the things that bothers me most with Adam's, Adam Gase's coaching right now. It just, it just feels like there's one guy playing out there that like, we're putting a whole team of backups, it feels like, out there, and then just one Le'Veon Bell and just saying, oh, just destroy this guy, play after play after play, because he's our best player. It just doesn't make any sense from a realistic standpoint of looking at the future. You know, we have to look at Sam Darnold. We have to ignore the fact that we want to win right now, and we have to accept the fact that we need him to get healthy, and his long-term health is way more important than this one week against the Eagles. Same thing goes to Le'Veon Bell. One week against the Patriots in a game where you're losing by two or three scores is not worth what could happen to him if you jeopardize, you know, 96.3% of snaps. Just get him off the field for 15%. If he plays 85%, I'm happy with a number like that. So yeah, Adam S., thank you for the question. I am concerned about it. 
We'll see what happens as we move forward. And the last question for this episode was one from RHackCT. The question was, I know the team is banged up right now and has a lot to do with the scheme every week, but halftime adjustments are huge in each game. How would you rate the Jets' second half adjustments? And who's making these calls? In my opinion, if I'm rating it, I would say that the New York Jets have had a really, really tough go in terms of injuries and what the what they've been putting on the field. So I can't say for sure what my total grade would be for Adam Gase as a coach. I think the defense has been really good. I've liked what I've seen from Greg Williams. I didn't think, considering how much better the Patriots are than us and how often they had the ball, same with the Browns. I thought the defense played really well. I like the way we confused Baker Mayfield. I like the way we've been stopping the run this year. Tom Brady had a really good game against us, but still, I like the way he's used our pieces. The only thing that I, kind of upsets me with the way Greg Williams is coaching is the pressure that we're getting. It just uh, I know we don't have a ton of great horses to get after the quarterback, but I'd like to see these guys get a little bit more production, get a little bit more free lanes to the quarterback. He's probably worried because we can't cover to begin with, and then putting more guys at it with free lanes and stuff, you're probably going to be exploited deep in the backfield. But at the same time, I'd like to see a little bit more pressure from the New York Jets. And other than that, Greg Williams has really been... I would say B plus for Greg Williams, which is, you know, as good as I could hope with what we've got going on with this team right now. Adam Gase, he's really hard to judge for halftime adjustments and things. Um, one of the big issues that I have is like a game against the Cleveland Browns where Miles Garrett is destroying Kelvin Beecham, and we're hardly doing anything to give Beecham help. I mean, in the second half, he was destroying us first half, took out Trevor Simeon, and then in the second half, still Miles Garrett is getting free runs at the quarterback, where Beecham and Osemele aren't deciding who's going to block him. He's just going right through, right between the middle. There are big issues with that stuff. And I think that the offensive line adjustments have driven me the most crazy. There's been consistent guys at positions that are just beating their man one-on-one. You know, Brandon Shell got pretty beat up last week. And we're not doing enough to bring in guys like Trevon Wesco, a tight end who's brought in here to basically block. He's the Eric Tomlinson replacement, essentially. And we drafted him this year. We have a tight end out, and he's not being thrown into the game plan. Um, We're not doing things like, at the halftime, realizing, all right, we're getting beaten up by the Patriots. We're not going to win this game. Maybe it's time to put Ty Montgomery into the game. Um, So overall, I think that that's kind of bothering me. I know that when I watch Adam Gase's play calling, it upsets me that we aren't doing more creative things on offense. I think that a lot of that has to do with the players that we have out there. We have a third-string quarterback, so it's hard to run a really complicated offense. But I thought with him we would be doing more... And not that I, I think they're super successful stuff, but I thought we'd be doing more like end-around type plays, hook and ladders, uh, some things like that, trying to get the ball into specific players' hands to get you know yards after the catch or at least be running with it. I thought that was something that we'd be doing more of with Adam Gase, some more creative play calling that you see stuff from like the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chicago Bears, maybe some more shovel passes, um, tight ends lining up in the backfield, getting flare passes, things like that, but we're really not doing a lot to give players opportunity. We're not doing bubble screens really either, which is something that he does a lot of. Uh, It's just been a lot of mesh concepts, which we knew he was going to do, but he's not bringing in all those other things, and I'd like to think that it's because we don't have Sam Darnold out there, because we don't have our real starting offense, that he's dialing everything back and trying to keep it really vanilla, so I won't truly gauge it until we have the guys back out there. Once we've seen Sam for three weeks, I'll be able to say for sure, what do I like in Adam Gase's play calling, what don't I like? Because even though Sam Darnold's not playing in the games, he's still very much a part of this team, and he's still learning every week, learning the playbook, getting familiar with the offensive playbook, what Adam Gase is trying to do, and he should be more than ready you know, to be doing an adequate job three weeks from his recovery. So I think that's when I'll truly say, but for now, I'd give it like a C, um, maybe a, a C- minus or something. What are you supposed to say? This offense can't move the ball. 
It's, it's, is it Adam Gase's fault? Is it Luke Falk's fault? It's the offensive line. It's definitely a combination of all three and more. If we had more playmakers, more wide receivers, if we had better schemes, if we had better talent offensive line, better protection callouts from the center, there's all sorts of stuff. You can blame everything, but uh, I think it's easy right now to blame Adam Gase. And, you know, he probably deserves it. He is the head coach of this team. Luke Falk is his quarterback. He's supposed to coach Luke Falk also. But there's just certain levels of just what do you expect? I mean, it's our third string quarterback. No team is dealing with what we have right now. I read an article, um, part of the injury index from David Chow, which is a pretty interesting website. The Jets are the most injured team in the league right now. I mean, there's no team that has more significant injuries. That injury index weights the injuries based on importance. So like obviously having CJ Mosley and having Sam Darnold out are more painful to your team than having like your long snapper out. It's way more detrimental to not have your starting quarterback or your second string quarterback. There's all these things going on. The New York Jets have the worst grades from the injury index, and that's just where we're at right now. So it's just there. You have to take a little bit of time to just say this isn't the New York Jets that we're watching right now. This is this awful curse that has just destroyed and plagued the beginning of the 2019 season, and we got to get out of it as soon as possible and get the train back on the tracks and see what we are when we're back out there. And I'm looking forward to that. I don't think it's going to be against the Eagles this coming week. I think we still have to get one to two more weeks of getting healthy. I'm holding on to hope that Sam Darnold can play against the Dallas Cowboys. I don't even think that's guaranteed right now. He could miss that game as well. I think that for sure after the Dallas Cowboys, he's definitely going to be playing. But these next two NFC East games, not 100% sure. Probably not against the Eagles. When it comes to C.J. Mosley, I think to a certain level, if these guys are like a little banged up, it almost makes sense to just like, all right, let's just get them back to 100% when Sam Darnold's out there. Let's just roll it all back together. Because when Luke Falk's playing quarterback, we're probably not going to win no matter what. And when that's the case, why get a good player injured? Which is just kind of why my argument for like, let's give Le'Veon Bell a little bit less touches per game to just keep him healthier for later on. That's kind of like goes in line with that. But, you know. I'd like to see Quinn and Williams out there. Can't wait to see these players. The Eagles are banged up, and there's an opportunity for the New York Jets to maybe surprise some people in this game. It's not like what it was last week when we went into the New England Patriots, and it was like Luke Fox's first game starting for real, and you're going up against the New England Patriots in Foxborough, and you're absolutely screwed no matter what. This isn't that type of game. The Eagles are definitely vulnerable right now. They're definitely a beatable team, and I I think that if we had C.J. Mosley and Sam Darnold on the field, I think that we would beat this Eagles team. I would be confident in that, and we could get this this season right back on track but unfortunately you know this is just we're just not getting there we probably won't have those guys and in that case hopefully somebody can step up maybe we can get another defensive touchdown special teams touchdown maybe we can get the ball moving on offense Le'Veon Bell hopefully he can go off we're gonna need him to a couple big plays you know it's gonna be tough for Robbie Anderson because Luke Falk can hardly throw the ball downfield but if he can make a couple good reads and the game plan can evolve just a little bit with Luke Falk Maybe there's an opportunity to beat this team with their banged-up cornerbacks. Maybe we can get some yards. I'd like, I'd at least like to start seeing some offensive touchdowns. Uh, we're really getting nothing going on offense, and it's just it's really disappointing to watch because you knew that going into this year, it was kind of offensive-focused. We brought in the slot receiver. We brought in Le'Veon Bell. We brought in an offensive coach who's going to be focused on the offense and getting better. Sam Darnold's coming into his second year. You re-signed Quincy Nunwa. Herndon's coming to his second year, and it's just really not come together the way we thought it would we got to keep in mind that we are getting Chris Herndon back for the Dallas Cowboys game after this week, and that's going to be a huge addition to this New York Jets offense that is very, very much needed. We can finally replace, you know, Griffin, Brown, Wesco. Finally get Chris Herndon back out there, who's going to be 
the best tight end we've had on the field and one of the best receivers we've had on the field all season. You know, it's going to be Crowder, it's going to be Anderson, and it's going to be Herndon. And then Le'Veon Bell, that's going to be your big four on offense with the other guy kind of rotating between maybe a Demarius Thomas, a Barrios, Bellamy, Wesco, Griffin, uh, Ty Montgomery. Those other guys will rotate. But you're going to have your big four there. Chris Herndon's part of that. And Sam Darnold's the, you know, the key to everything. So there is some good stuff coming up. It's just, what can we get done against the Eagles this last most barren week we're going to have? This is the most thin we're going to be because guaranteed we're getting Chris Herndon back and Brandon Copeland back after this Eagles game. So there is positivity. There's light at the end of this tunnel. This will be the last terrible game for the New York Jets. It will get a little better against the Dallas Cowboys. And after that, it's going to be smooth sailing with Sam Darnold for the rest of this year against a soft spot of the schedule. So if we can somehow find a way to pull this Eagles game out, hell yeah. I mean, then we can be talking about going 1-3 and three in the first quarter of the season, just like I predicted early in the season. And then maybe we can go back to that 9-7 and seven team that I had us pegged for. Going one and three in the first quarter, finishing nine and seven. We could still technically go one and three in the first quarter. Be right on track for that nine and seven. Potential playoffs. It's possible. Let's just say that it's possible. And do our best to try to win this one. Thank you for joining me this week for the bye week mailbag edition. This is going to be the only mailbag of the year. The only bye week special. Everything else is going to be back to our usual format of breaking down the games, the players, the teams. Um, I appreciate all the submissions from everybody. Thank you very much. It was fun doing this. If you ever want to ask questions on Twitter, engage in a conversation. Like I said, I always like to talk New York Jets. You can at me at Jets underscore Dan. Rate, review, subscribe, go on Game Green Nation, read the articles there, check out the podcast, comment, engage in conversation, whatever. You know, we got a loyal fan base. I know it seems like it's shrinking right now and a lot of people go into hiding, but there's really no fair weather Jets fans because there's hardly any fair weather. So if you're a Jets fan, you're a Jets fan. You know what it's like to go through these times. We do it together. You know, let's just keep on keeping on. There are bright days ahead of us. Thanks for joining me. I'm Dan Burnham, and this is The Jet Life. (laughs) 